summary of what we're going to talk on, and it amazes me every single time how God gives them, as they listen to God, the words to songs that are appropriate. I, I, I ask that you take your words to your songs when we're done with this visit here today and go back and reread the words. They are appropriate to what we're going to be talking about. We are finishing here in Isaiah, and Isaiah is an interesting book. If anybody, how many of you during this time has at least tempted to just stop and, and read Isaiah? Okay, a lot of you. Uh, I can't see the ones online, but have you noticed that sometimes when you open the book and you read it, you, uh, if you're honest with yourself, you're saying, what in the world are they talking about? And, uh, and I'm here to at least help you uh, understand that. And that is, even from uh, the words, uh, there was another in the fire. To be honest with you, this entire Bible, this entire book is an autobiography about Jesus Christ. It's his story. If you try to interpret something, removing him from the story, you cannot grasp the meaning of what they're talking about. But if you will look at him and know that, wait a minute, this is a story about him, you will see things come to light. It says that their eyes will be opened and you will see opening pages, and it, it says in there literally, it, it will, they will jump out like they're on fire, like a light. You'll be able to begin to see. Uh, thank you, Ben, for giving me four chapters of the unbelievable amount of information in these chapters. And so I'm looking at them. I'm saying, oh, I, I can't go on talk on that. Well, I better not talk on that. Every one of these chapters have just nuggets that are pregnant with information. And this morning I got up and I had pretty much settled on what part I was going to talk on. And I said, God, I really do not feel completely satisfied with this. And the theme that I knew I was going to talk about was that this is an autobiography about Jesus Christ. And in just short time, I could not get enough. All of these verses that I had troubles with were starting to come to light from the Gospels in Jesus' life. And it said, as Isaiah said, and I'd go back and say, wow, he's just found everywhere in this book. He's found everywhere in your life. It said, like in the storm, in the fire, he's found everywhere. And the purpose that you would understand is that all of this is to glorify God. Now, I want to pause for a minute because I think in today's world, we use a lot of religious terms that we really don't know exactly what they mean today. So we t say, well, glorify God. You know, give God the glory. And that's, that's nice. It's good. Uh, it's a beautiful word. But I want to let you capture a little bit more what that word means. It means to beautify beyond wonder. It means to brag on over and above to be honor, to make big something. This week, I was privileged to go to a funeral in a little town of Murdo, South Dakota. Uh, I had a friend that had died. Uh, he was 100 years old. He was sharp up till 100 years old. And it was a man that was extremely humble and... I knew him, but I did not really know him because when I was at the funeral, 
the people that spoke were grandchildren, children, and great-grandchildren. The words that came out of their mouth left me speechless. They said many times, I cannot forget the words of his granddaughter that lived in California and said, from California, believe it or not, I salivated to come to Murdo, South Dakota, which we all wondered. And she says, because every time I came to Myrtle, I was going to see what a real man was designed to be. Every one of them, after another, bragged of this man's character. They bragged of his quality of life. They told stories of things that he did that in just a few movements would teach them things for the rest of their life. They glorified his name. They bragged on him. There was lots of people there, lots of people that were very popular and well-known in our country, and nobody paid attention to anybody with fame except for him. Everything was quiet. Tears rolled. And the thing is, when he came back, he had all kinds of things that I didn't even know about the man, and I spent time with him because he never told me about his accomplishments. I sat there and listened to the accomplishments one after another of things that would be written up in national magazines. And I said, I never knew the man like that. But when I left there, I was humbled. But when I left there, I too wanted to glorify his, what Christ had done through this man's life and to see the legacy from him to his children to his children's children. Frankly, I was amazed. Now, that is another word that you're going to see when we look at today. The word amazed. We use it a lot. That's amazing. Well, that, that's amazing that we can be on film and somebody can be watching it somewhere. That's amazing. The word amazed in the Bible means to be out of your mind beside yourself. To have no words what to say. Let me give you a little illustration in my life that doesn't even compare to what it was, but over and over and over when Jesus spoke or did things, it said they were amazed and hushed. I, Nancy and I had the honor of going to Mexico this last year. And every once in a while, the, the host would come and surprise us with something. And he spoke directly to me. And he said, Bill, uh, get up tomorrow morning about 7 o'clock, 6.30 on my vacation. And he says, we're going to take a jet ski. And so I got on the jet ski. And by the way, I am not uh, like a lot of you that spend all of your time on the water. I had not taken these new jet skis. They're like absolutely race machines. And he said, we're going out into the ocean. And so I'm kind of a little nervous, and I'm driving, and I'm going by, and the waves are getting bigger and bigger, and pretty soon they're about the size of this, and I'm going down thinking, I am going to drown out here. And we come up, and I see now what he's wanting to attempt to do. We look out, and there is a family of whales out here. And I'm looking at them, oh, about from here to the school bus, and I'm thinking, this is cool. And in about 10 seconds, from me to Ben comes a huge whale 
humpback whale comes out of the water completely and does that slide. And I was terrified. I had never seen anything so big, so close, and I was out of my mind terrified, and yet in some way I was amazed at that. It threw me into worship. And I get the picture when they talk about this. Uh, you're not looking for this beside you. When it comes out and it's, you know, 60 feet long and it's splashing and you're in this little teeny thing, you're terrified. There's a holy fear that came over me, but it also left me in a place of amazement. I can still feel it today when I think about it. I want to challenge you. When's the last time that you were amazed? When's the last time that you looked into the things and opened up the Word of God and somehow it was peeled back and you saw this God we just sang about? If you have never seen that or if you say, yeah, yeah, that was really cool, you did not see him. You were looking at the whales way down there. And so here we have the book of Isaiah and you, you're seeing these unbelievable words that come out. In Isaiah 60, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you, and nations will come to your light, kings to your brightness of your rising. So lift up your eyes, open your eyes, and see. I turned back this morning to Matthew, don't know why, but I looked at it and said, Now, when he heard that John had been taken to custody, he left Nazareth and he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Nephtiah. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtai, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light, and to those who were sitting in the land and the shadow of death, upon them a light dawned on them, and Jesus came forth and spoke. He's found in Isaiah 60. I turn to Isaiah 61. And this is a famous scripture that uh, I think is a popular scripture but I found out more about it. It says, And the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to captives, freedom to prisoners, proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all of those that are mourning, to grant them uh, who are mourning in Zion... Give them a garland instead of ashes, an oil of gladness instead of mourning, a mantle of praise instead of a spirit of depression, so they will be called oaks of righteousness. Now again, let's go back in history. And you've got to look at something and know something and be aware of something. I cannot imagine what I'm about to tell you being true because I can't put myself and my puny little mind there But before Jesus came on the scene, God had not spoken to his people for 400 years. Can you imagine that? I look at what's happened to our country with maybe just the spirit being pulled back a little bit. And I'm blown away by what human beings can do and where their minds can go. 
and it now makes sense when God says, I looked down upon all mankind and I saw them all stupid and void of any knowledge. I looked out and I can see that in other people and then pretty soon God lets you see it in yourself. But here he is and he goes to the temptation in the wilderness. He comes down after the temptation and he goes into Capernaum or goes into Galilee and he says this. And the book of the prophets, he came up forward and he brought up there and he was, as was his custom to be in the synagogues. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him and he opened the book and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set free those who are downtrodden and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He closes the book. He goes back, and he sits down, and all of the eyes are on him. All of the eyes are on him. And he says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. That was who, I was, that was, who was being talked about back in Isaiah. That he is going to be able to come and do things that they were longing for. They, they dreamed of this. And yet here he's saying, today it is being fulfilled to you. Open your eyes and see what is before you. Open your eyes and see who is before you. There's another in the fire. Sitting beside us, no matter what it is. My hope for you today is to begin to at least be able to say, God, I want to be astonished. I want to be amazed. I don't want to just hear about the name. I want to experience you. We finished back before in Ecclesiastes, and we talked about Job, where Job said, before all this, before all of this, I had heard of you, but now I know you and I see you. I have yet to see anybody that really has seen and experienced the amazement of Christ and was ever the same again. I read an article today. My wife gave it to me. Uh, John Piper sent it out. And it was an article about people who are always caught in their besetting sins, and they just can't seem to have victory over something. And they're like the Apostle Paul, and they're saying, gee, the very thing I don't want to do, I end up doing again anyway. And the thing I don't, or or I do want to do, I don't end up doing that. Who's going to deliver me from this? And he said, you know, in all of my years of ministry, I've never seen anybody change consistently by trying to stop doing that. He said, what I found is that the more I began to show them a pathway into this God of the universe, the more they began to see God in the galaxies and in the things. They were hushed, and their answer becomes like, Job, shut my mouth. I've proclaimed things I never knew. When they saw the bigness of God, the holiness of God, or coming out of that water, they were terrified and amazed. They stopped and had victory over this besetting sin. What we are trying to do here with, as we preach and as the singers preach, we're trying to help you walk into this relationship with this holy God. And the purpose of the relationship of the Trinity and the holy God is to glorify one another. It says that the Holy Spirit will come and his purpose will be to glorify me. Again, to brag on Jesus. 
to declare unbelievable things about him to where you are astonished. You're beside yourself. He says to them, Father, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven. He said, Father, the hour has come, so glorify your son so that I also will glorify you. I will make people amazed at you. John 17 says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that we had before the world existed. In there, the words there is saying, a glory that human beings cannot comprehend on this planet. We only get little glimpses of it. We only get glimpses. And some of you may be stuck way back on my verse that on the verse in Isaiah where he says that I will bring good news to the afflicted. Are you afflicted? Are you heavy-hearted? Are you broken-hearted? Are you in some type of prison either to your own bondage or to somebody else's? And you're wondering is it true that this person can actually come and lift these and bring healing into my life. I believe he can. And I believe he can, and it is not going to be you trying to control sin. You will not make it trying to control sin. It will not make it you trying to get out. It actually even says that I will, once you see him, who he is, and look about his majesty, it says you will instantly go into some type of worship of praise. And when it, you do, it says the spirit of depression will be lifted. It will lift because of who he is. Not because of all the counseling and psychology babble that we have today. I think we have replaced the word of God and his life and his power with all kinds of methods and strategies and pills. Guys, I don't know if you're getting what I'm talking about, but I do believe if you will go ahead and come before God and say, God, I want to see you. I want to know you. I want to be dazzled and amazed and beside myself because of you. And then it says, and then Jesus comes and says, and he will bring good news to the world. That word good news is the gospel. And then he explains the gospel in two parts that actually result in a third that he doesn't talk about. The first is, do you understand what this news is, this good news? The good news is that I can come and inhabit your lives in the same manner that the Father inhabited my life on this planet. The good news is God and you can be one again the way you were originally designed. This is not by your efforts and things that you do and things that you don't do. It is that you would receive this good. It's good news because you don't have to do anything about it except for to open up. And the good news is that God can inhabit mankind. It's an interesting thing right there. It says... All, all of mine are yours and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. When I live in them, they will be able to astonish and amaze people. Just like Harold did to me this week. A hundred-year-old man shut my mouth. I was absolutely humbled. Now, there's way more to the story than that, why it was so effective to me. There's a saying I've used often that I picked up from a guy named Ron Dunn who ministered to my life. And he said, confession is really good for your soul, but it's really bad for your reputation. 
I got to know this man years and years ago, 40-some years ago, 38 years ago. I didn't know any of these accomplishments of this man. I didn't know how extinguished or distinguished he was. I didn't know all the awards, national awards in the Air Force he was given. I didn't know that this guy went on to play Division I sports and was absolutely got to play in, uh, in great big uh, stadiums in New York because he never told me. He just asked me about my accomplishments, which I was eager to tell him. Yeah, I did play ball, and this is, yeah. And I heard that you, yeah, and I did. Not until a couple days ago, I realized that this humble man that sought God and learned how to let God live through him and his goal in life was not to go out and achieve big things, but it was to leave a legacy to his children and to his children's children's children, which he did. Literally, 20, 30 of them said their life followed Christ because of this man's legacy. And I, at that moment, the other part of Jesus' message came to my life. It says when Jesus was glorified and when they found out that he was the one they talked about and this, this prophecy was fulfilled, he said that he taught them the good news and repentance, which leads to experiencing the life of the good news. You know, I've seen a lot of people repent, generally. Oh, we're sinners. That poor America, I'm, we're all sinners. I don't think that does it. What happens when repentance comes and you get in the sight of God and his holiness, you fall to your knees before this holy God. You are taken back at his holiness, not by condemnation and not by shame, but by his love and his grace. And you're brought to your knees to say, woe am I that I stand before a holy God that just shows us glimpses and we are amazed. We are totally thrown back and terrified by the bigness of this God. And that day... At a hundred-year-old man's funeral, God brought me back 38 years ago and realized that I never saw that because I was so into me. Why in the world would this man of this statue come to some young little buck, 30 years old, decided to put up a cardboard sign and visit with me? And I found out why, because he was a humble man and he was way beyond where I was. And today, he has taught me things that, he sh- that I should have learned 38 years ago. He is a man that got to taste God. And when he tasted God, he knew that that was what his life was going to be and lived an incredible, joyful life because of it. I challenge you today, that as you go back and you look, whatever part of the Bible you're reading, whatever part of life you're doing, even if you're not in the Bible, look for this God. He's everywhere. And if you find him and have it be uncovered, you will stand with your mouth wide open in what the word amazing, just like the prophet said, when he sat down, they were totally amazed. They were beside themselves. They said, who in the world speaks with this kind of authority? And then he uses an illustration right after that. And he says, way back when the heavens were shut up, there were lots of widows. 
And Isaiah only came to one. And there are lots of people that were crippled. And he only came to one woman. And then it said, they hated him and wanted to throw him off the high cliffs. And he snuck away, and in sneaking away, he said some things. And the next verse says, and then they were totally amazed. They were blown away again. Don't miss him in reading. Whatever it is, look for him. He's hidden in all of life. He's hidden in these hills. He's hidden in the streams. I heard a person say, and I even gave it a shot, and don't, I'm not being psychic here, but he said, if you'll look deep enough into this tree right here, you will actually be able to almost see it pulling the juices of life up to its leaves, and you'll be amazed that that absolutely tree grows and how it grows and cannot be explained. You'll start to see things your eyes could never see. I know you know what that's like. I know when I go out on my motorcycle and I ride the hills, I see things in the hills I never saw as a kid. I see beauty that I never could see as a kid. I was too interested in me. So here's where this leads to, the conclusion. Remember in Isaiah 61, he said, the mantle of praise will be yours instead of a spirit of depression. So then you will be called oaks of righteousness. And you will rebuild the ancient ruins. Because you're the offspring of the Lord, you will rejoice in the Lord. And because you are his, he is your salvation. He'll wrap you with a robe of righteousness. And then he goes on and he says this. If you will do this, if you will find me in the midst of this, if you will let yourself be strucken by my presence, you will stop pointing the finger and you will give yourself to the poor and those in need. That poor need means you just start spotting what people need when you're around them. You will begin to go forth, and it says, and your gloom will be lifted up and forgotten because you'll be reflections of my love, and this is what he means, that I will then be glorified in them, that all of a sudden people will see you and what you do, and the love of God will come forth. It has to go all the way through this cycle. Not for your salvation. Your salvation's earned. Your childhood is earned. Your sonship and daughtership is, is not earned. It was chosen by God way before you were born. But for you to experience the results of Isaiah 61, to let you not be prisoners, to let you not be captive, I want to challenge you to say, God, show yourself to me. Beautify yourself to me. And then I want to brag on you whenever I can. I want to boast and say, did you see the hand of God? The Shekinah glory, it comes through here. It's amazing. And then go ahead and stop looking into your own life and start looking outward and saying, God, now how do you want to beautify yourself with whoever I have contact with today? I'll have contact with people, and you can show me the needy, and then my gloom will lift up as a noonday. Would you pray with me? Father, I am absolutely humbled that even in light of this, I do such injustice to your holy word and to your name. I'm so incapable in my abilities and so incapable in my human frailness that I would ask you to take your Holy Spirit and pour out your Holy Spirit upon the people here that they would see you. I pray today that some would just be amazed today. Some would see you 
and be hushed by your beauty. And it would change their lives and they would never, ever be the same from this day forth. I'm going to believe you for that for the people that are out here that you have called. And I'm going to ask you to do it in Jesus' name. Amen.